opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Fighting for Love. This show will help you turn conflict into collaboration in all your relationships. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank, an attorney mediator since 1985. She's the author of several books, including Negotiations, Breakthroughs, and Fighting for Love. She's a mediator for the Orange County Superior Court Civil Mediation Panel, and she mediates business, employment, divorce, privacy, and other civil cases in her private practice in Laguna Niguel, California. Mari's a professor of negotiations and conflict management and has been a certified state bar trainer for over 25 years. She teaches leadership and conflict management courses at Brandman University and here at UCI, and she trains corporate leaders' powerful communication and conflict transformation skills. To learn more about the show and our great guests, please visit conflicthealing.com. Mari, what's your show about this morning? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about marriage, fitness, and love. And we have this wonderful guest coming to us from the East Coast. In fact, I get his newsletter. I just read his book, Marriage Fitness Book. But even more than that, he is the creator of the Marriage Fitness, uh, Marriage Fitness, and you can go to marriagefitness.com and learn more about it. You can get his wonderful email. He is a world authority on the psychology of love and relationships, and he has an international reputation for saving marriages. And here I am mediating divorce for the past 30 years. In addition to working with couples, he teaches individuals how to single-handedly transform their marital situation. He, is, um, he was the CEO of an international nonprofit organization, and he is a former marathon runner. And he lives with his wife and five children, including triplets, in Baltimore, Maryland. Again, you can learn more about him at either marriagefitness.com or mortfortel, that's M-O-R-T-F-E-R-T-E-L.com. Mort, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you for having me. Well, I, I love the news. I forgot to tell you that I get your, your emails all the time. I think they're great, and that's how I decided that uh, I wanted to interview you. Why don't you tell your story of how you and your wife went from marital bliss, and then you went through marital disaster, and now you came back to this wonderful, loving relationship. I thought your story was very inspiring. Sure. So my wife and I, um, we were deeply in love, as most couples are when they first meet and get married. And then we um, had a bit of a crisis. That would be an understatement in our life. Um, We had a son who died, Mm -hmm. and we had uh, twin daughters who also died. Mm -hmm. In a matter of uh, about two years, we lost three children. It was really devastating, not only personally, but really for our marriage. And... We reached out for help in kind of the traditional ways. You know, my wife learned about Mars. I learned about Venus. Um, you know, we uh, went to uh, professionals, and we found that none of it was really very helpful. <laughs> none of it worked. Yeah. And we read a lot of stuff. Um, the only thing I learned from all the books that I read was that these authors definitely didn't have marriage problems. 
Yeah. <laughs> and um, the, we just found that everywhere we turned for help, people were trying to direct us to deal with our problems and issues, communication strategies, conflict resolution. And we just found that the more we dealt with the past and the problems, the more negative things became in our relationship. For us, things really turned around when we stepped away from the problems and the issues. We temporarily put them aside, and we just were decent to each other. We just tried to do good things that would build goodwill. And that was really the breakthrough that, um, that was really what created the breakthrough for us. And then after we succeeded to reconcile our marriage and really fall back in love again, we looked back on the experience we had, and we really felt like we had a responsibility to sort of share what we had experienced with others. While we were going through it, it wasn't like we were making notes thinking we would create this program. We were just, you know, trying to find our way back to a loving relationship. But once we made it through, we started to retrace our steps and say, you know, what did we do right? Why did this work? And it was those thoughts that really gave birth to the whole marriage fitness methodology, which in short is to put aside the problems and the issues and move forward, creating goodwill by, use, through, by using positive relationship habits. Yeah, and it's so beautiful to do that. You know, when I've been mediating divorce for 30 years and trying to, and it's different than litigating divorce, you know, and I, I can see that the ruination of marriages is the, the blame, the guilt, the looking backward, the negativity, and it is, it is so painful for people. It just is excruciating, and trying to get people to focus on, on the present and the future and being positive and being loving and being kind and stopping all that negativity is so important, and so I think your program is great. And, and that's really going to be the key for people. I know I had over over 20 couples that have gotten back together in just through mediation by helping them to see the kinds of things that you're talking about, which is, you know, learning to be positive with each other, to ask for what you want, not what you don't want. <laughs> you know, people, that's, yeah. that's a biggie, right? People will say, I don't want this. But if you say what you do want, and you talk about that in your book, and you talk about that in your program about really being positive and, and letting each other know each other's needs. So I think that's beautiful. You talk yeah. about um, the, different be- the difference between role mates and soulmates. You want to explain that to my audience? Sure. Um, a lot of times people in marriage, they, you know, life gets busy, work and kids. Yeah. And they, for efficiency's sake, divide and conquer. They take on different roles. Uh, you know, you take care of the house and kids, and I'll be the breadwinner, that's traditionally speaking. Right. But, even, but even in a more modern home, you know, the roles could be divided differently, but nonetheless, there is, you know, you have people who are sort of sharing responsibility in order to manage the business of running a family. Right. And sometimes everything can be in order, and things can run well, but people can be deeply disconnected. Right. And, you know, that's what I, you know, refer to as role mates versus soulmates. Uh, it does no good to be role mates in a marriage. What you need to be is soulmates. 
And when we divide and conquer and end up leading parallel lives, mm-hmm. that's exactly what we get is, is division. It's a certain divisiveness in the relationship. And at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter, um, you know, if the kids are getting straight A's and the house is in order. If you're not connected to your spouse, the family's going to fall apart eventually. Exactly. And that's usually the root of, that's always the root of marital crisis. It's a lack of connection between a husband and a wife. And you could be perfect roommates, perfect role mates, um, but if you're not soulmates, it won't matter. Exactly. You also talk about connecting at your core, and and that's different. That kind of goes on to the next step. To be soulmates, you have to connect at your core. Why don't you help my uh, audience understand what you mean by that? It's really the difference between, you know, <clears throat> connecting at the core versus being compatible. There's a huge myth. Everybody thinks that being successful in marriage in a relationship is about being compatible. And I disagree. I don't think it has anything to do with being compatible. Um, I think it has to do with being connected. And connected at the core means that you feel this person is your soulmate. There is an emotional connection. There's a closeness, an intimacy, a real feeling of warmth and, and love and caretaking and passion. And these things, these qualities in a marriage where people feel, I call it connected at the core, it's a, it's a hard term to define, but the reason people feel that is not because they like listening to the same music. It's not because they like doing the same things. It's not even because they think alike. Right. <laughs> you know, I was on a session recently with a person who said that, um, uh, you know, the person I'm having an affair with, we think alike, mm. you know, <laughs> as, as if that's the reason for us, you know, being, you know, that that's the reason why this relationship is going to be sustainable. Um, and I, you know, I, I just don't think that being compatible really has much to do with being in love. Mm-hmm. I know couples who are very compatible. You know, they enjoy doing the same things, drinking the same wine, listening to the same music, going to the same place on vacation. But when they're doing all these things, they're completely disconnected. Right. Right. I would rather be in a relationship where my wife drinks different wine, listens to different music, but when we're together, we feel deeply connected. Right, right. And that's what I refer to as connected at the core. And, and there's a whole, the whole marriage fitness program is a whole system of behaviors um, that lead to that connection. Right. You, you actually have a four-step process to build and maintain a loving relationship. Can we go through that, that four-step process so people have a better idea about how the marriage fitness program works? Sure. Um, the, the, first is, the first is to put love first. Yeah. The basic idea here is that what we feel connected to is what we prioritize. It's what's important to us, which is one of the reasons why some people are, for example, deeply connected to their work, but not to their spouse and or children. Right. And when you put love first, you make your spouse and your marriage the absolute highest priority in your life, 
not just, and you don't just verbalize that and you don't just think that, but your calendar reflects that priority. Mm. The second step is to give presence, and that's spelled P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E. Right. And that means to give to your spouse in a way that reflects the presence of you in the giving. That's the most important thing about a gift, is that, or a present, is that it reflects the presence of the one who gave it to you. And that's a bigger discussion, which is, you know, what kind of giving is that? How do we give to our spouse in a way that they feel deeply understood and they feel our presence in that giving? Anyway, that's step number two. Step three is moving from me to we. This is a huge challenge in today's culture, which is very me-oriented. I have to be happy. You have to do what you want to do, whatever makes you happy. The irony is that when we live for ourselves, we end up being very unhappy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, 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 in, it's in really giving um, where we make a connection. Anyway, the step three is to move from me to we, to operate as a team, to operate as a unit, to stop seeing yourself as an individual, but instead to view yourself as part of a, uh, um, a family, a core nucleus of a family, the matriarch and the patriarch of this family that's building a family and leaving a legacy. And the, and the fourth step um, is to protect your marriage. Uh, this is also a huge challenge in today's culture and society where people feel very free to engage deeply in relationships that they would refer to as friendships, but which are really a violation of the trust and the betray- uh, a trust that they, that, that they should have with their spouse. So just for example, um, you know, it's not unusual for uh, for, quote, friends to have a lot of physical affection, hugging and kissing and dancing and, you know, whatever else people do. Um, and that kind of behavior should be reserved for our spouse. And when we reserve it for our spouse, it intensifies the intimacy between uh, us and our spouse. There's a direct correlation between exclusivity and intimacy, mm. the more exclusive something is, the more intimate it feels with the person you make it exclusive with. The story, the example that I like to give is when we were kids, you know, if you go into the forest and you make a little fort, you know, like a little treehouse. Yeah. So if you're sharing that and you built it with one friend and you meet him there, that's going to be a really, you know, uh, intense experience that, that kind of fortifies your relationship with that friend. It's going to be a special childhood experience, and it's just you and him. As soon as you open up that fort to the rest of the kids on the block, so it's true now you're sharing something with them that you didn't used to share, but it dilutes what you were once sharing with the first person that you built the fort with. Um, And so this goes not only with physical affection, but also with an emotional connection. You know, some people just, they share too much with people outside of their marriage, thoughts and feelings, hopes and dreams and fears that should be, you know, conversations reserved for their spouse. Right. You know, Mort, it's so sad that there's no way that we learn about relationships when we're kids. You know, a lot of us (laughs) don't have 
you know, parents that that uh, really showed us the way, you know, the role models, like like you're doing for your five kids with your wife. Yeah, yeah. And, and we don't really learn it in school. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it's, and it's such <laughs> we an... We learn imp- math and English and science and how to read and write. Right. The most important thing in our life, which is how to conduct ourselves in a relationship. Yeah. You know, there's there's no course and nobody teaches it to us. Not only that, but, you know, it, you know, for you to become a lawyer, you know, you had to go to school, you had to right. take a test, you had to get a license. Right. To, to be able to drive a car, right. you've <laughs> got to be able to take a test and get a license because there are lives at stake. Yeah. But to get married, I don't even know if you know, you don't even have to sign your name. I'm not even sure. Yeah, isn't it unbelievable? And yet there are lives at stake, and a lot more lives are ruined by people that don't know how to conduct themselves effectively in a marriage than people who are, you know, practicing law irresponsibly right. or whatever, or driving a car irresponsibly. I know when I meet with couples, it's you know it's so tragic because they didn't have the tools. If you don't have the tools, you can't build the house, right? And that's and right. that's really you can't build the marriage without the tools. So that's why I really love the the work that you're doing is because we need to have those tools. Once you have the tools, you can do that. But I worry about these young people who don't even communicate. Like you know some of the things that you talk about. Which I want to bring up, which I thought was fantastic, is about um, the talk charge and the super talk charge. You know, kids, I see these people in relationships, young people, that, you know, they might be sitting out having dinner and we'll be sitting next to them and they're texting each other (laughs) instead of talking to each other. What is going to happen to this young generation that isn't even connecting at that core level at all? God help us. God help us. I'll tell you, it's, it's, it's scary. It really is scary. It's so ironic. We live in a world where in nanoseconds we can connect with hundreds and thousands of people, and we're doing it. Yes. And we've never been more disconnected yeah. to the key, from the key people in our life. I know. That's and what I worry about anybody, these marriages. Anybody with any wisdom knows that the real richness in life comes in our primary relationships. That means our relationship with our husband or wife, with our children, and with our parents. Mm -hmm. And not saying that there's not other people that are important in our life, but if you're failing in those relationships, then you're probably not happy in life. (laughs) And it certainly is not going to be as rich as it could be. You're going to feel lonely. You're going to feel disconnected. You're going to feel isolated. I mean, yep. that's that's just yep. it. And if I could give everybody some very, very simple, incredibly simple advice. Yes. Uh, I'm going to give it, but I'll just tell everybody in advance that you won't listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm going to be ignored. But I'm, that's okay. I I'm promise you more. I'm not going to ignore you. Oh, well, most people will. <laughs> When it comes to the primary relationships in your life, stop using electronic communication. Mm -hmm. Don't text. Don't email. Don't Facebook. You cannot make a real connection. I don't even know if young people even know what a real connection is these days. Mm -hmm. But you cannot make a real, personal, intimate connection unless you're face-to-face talking, spending time, putting the electronics away. Yes. And and it's hard because for my kids who are, you know, 
of the generation, it's hard for me to get them to call me. They'll they'll text me and I'll say, pick up the phone or answer the phone. <laughs> I go, well, what do you want? <laughs> you know, right, and right. it just it's it's right. very frustrating because I said, you yeah. know, let's let's talk. You know, let's right. talk by phone. So I'll, um, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what the seduction <laughs> is. I'll tell you what the there's concurrent things going on in the world that which makes it very seductive, and one of those things is that. We're, we're in a world that really emphasizes speed mm-hmm. and efficiency, getting more done faster. And electronic communication is highly efficient. There's no question about it. If I need to transmit information to my wife, mm-hmm. I will sometimes text her. If it's like an address or a number today, she needed a, a code that our investment company sent me, and she needed it. Okay, I texted her. It was a number. Right. right? Transmitting information. So it's high in efficiency, but it's low in intimacy. And we have to appreciate that in the primary relationship in our life, the goal is not efficiency. It's intimacy. So what if it takes me twice as long to get it done? Right, right. right? The, the point is not to get it done. The point is to, is, to, is to connect. And so, you know, today people are so, it's, it's ironic because they're so, the, 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 the breadth of their connection is enormous. And the depth of their connections is pathetic. Yeah. Let's let's talk a little bit about your talk charge and your super talk charge because I think that's the antithesis of what we're talking about and how important that is that that you know that people really talk not just about when are you picking up the kids or did you watch that TV show or did you see in the news today about the shark bite or whatever it was I mean yeah you're going to talk like that but you also talk about how important it is to have other kinds of talk that, that do create that Im- intimacy. You want to talk about that for us? Sure. So every night when I come home, I try to spend anywhere from 15 to 30 minutes at least with my wife just talking. You know, I, I put aside work. You know, the kids are to bed. Uh, we put to close the computers, and we just... You know, sit in the kitchen together or lie there on the bed together and just talk. Mm. Um, Not trying to get anything done, not trying to check anything off the list, not trying to accomplish anything, but just being together. Mm -hmm. Kind of the way, I mean, you know, we're we're not newlyweds, we're not dating, right? We've been married for over 20 years. Right. But kind of like the, the, the way people are together when they're dating. You know, you're not accomplishing anything. You really are focused on the person that you're with, and you're sharing. You're listening. You're asking questions. You're sharing from the heart, and you're just being together, you know, kind of like getting involved in each other's lives, feeling connected to what each other is doing and thinking and feeling. And I think it's important for, um, you know, for a husband and wife at the end of every day to have that. It doesn't have to be the end, but usually that's the, that's the time. That's when everybody's every day, asleep, all the kids are asleep. <laughs> yeah, but, to, you know, to have that time, you know, one-on-one. Um, by the way, I mean, I know we're, you're asking me about marriage, but just parenthetically, I think it's also important that we have that time with the family, with the kids also. Right. You know, where we put the phones away and everybody comes to the, That's why, you know, family dinners are like the most important thing 
that I think a, a family can do on a, on a regular basis to, to build the family culture and for people to stay connected. Yes. To come to the dinner table, you know, there's a lot of love in food. And uh, there's an opportunity around the table for people to talk, for people to share, for people to help. Can I get you a glass of water? Can I help clean up? Um, there's a lot of things that can happen around the dinner table over the course of 45 minutes that can be transformative for a family. Yes. So anyway, that's, um, that's what you refer to as the super talk charge. Yeah. And then the talk charges are uh, kind of a mini version of that, where in the middle of the day, um, I think it's important for husbands and wives to reach out to each other and to make a verbal connection to call your spouse in the middle of the day to put aside your work, to put aside the kids, to put aside whatever's going on, and just to make a connection. You know, it's kind of like if you, I mean, these days batteries are getting stronger, but it used to be that, you know, if you, uh, if you disconnected your, your cell phone from its charger in the morning, uh, you know, it couldn't go all day. Um, you would have to recharge it at some point in the middle of the day so that it right. could last. So I think a marriage is somewhat like that. It's not healthy to leave in the morning, say goodbye, and then think that you're going to reconnect at the same level 12 hours later with no connection in between. It's nice every few hours to, 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 to make a little bit of a connection, um, not to call again to accomplish something, to check something off the list or to check on something, but instead just to talk. Um, and to share and to feel connected to each other. It only takes literally 60 seconds, um, but it's an important thing to do, and it can really help uh, a person's relationship. Right. And it's just re-educating people. Um, I ask you, what what do you do about an obstinate spouse? I know in your marriage fitness, sometimes you have programs for just one of the spouses when they have an obstinate spouse. Yeah, so this is what uh, this is one of the things that I really specialize in, and one of the unique things about the marriage fitness program is that there's what we call the Lone Ranger Track, and the Lone Ranger Track is uh, a series, a system of um, principles and practices that are designed for people that are dealing with an obstinate spouse. Uh, one of the great myths in a relationship is that it takes two to tango, and that is absolutely not true. even though everybody believes it. It does not take two to tango in a relationship. One person can make an enormous difference in a relationship. Think of it as a bridge. You can build a bridge from either side, Mm -hmm. and it can get built. The other analogy I like to use is a a, a chemist. A chemist takes uh, chemical A and chemical B, mixes them together, we get chemical C. If you do the experiment again and you want to get a different outcome, you do not have to change both chemicals. You just have to change one, and you'll get a different outcome. So a relationship is like two chemicals mixing together. You know, there's a dynamic between two people. And as soon as one person knows the kinds of changes they can make, they can change the outcome of the relationship. Yeah. It's a very, very important idea because so many people are trapped in very unhealthy thinking that this is hopeless, there's nothing I can do, my husband is like this, my wife does that. Right, right. When in fact they have much more power and influence than they realize if they just knew, you know, what they could do to make a difference. And, and it's so true. As soon as one person changes, it changes the whole dynamics. Yep. You know, it absolutely does. 
Yeah. So can I tell can I tell a quick story? Yes. Along yes, we have about two minutes left. I'm just <laughs> so make it quick. <laughs> Great story. Man comes to a town. He's thinking about moving there, so he seeks out the local sage. He says, "I'm thinking about moving here. Can you tell me what kind of people live here?" So the sage says, "Well, what kind of people live where you come from?" So the man says, oh, where I come from, the people are horrible. They're violent, mean, you know, not generous, the worst. So the sage says, well, people are pretty much the same here. (laughs) So about uh, a month later, a different man comes to the same town, seeks out the same sage, says, I'm thinking about moving here. Can you tell me what kind of people live here? Same sage says, well, what kind of people live where you come from? Oh, where I come from, the people are wonderful, kind, loving, generous, the best. Sage Mm -hmm. says, well, people are pretty much the same here. Yep, exactly. It's like, if you think you can, you can. If you think you can't, you can't, right? People are not as they are. They are as we are. Right, right. Well, I love your positiveness. I just want to share one thing that my husband and I do every night before we go to bed, before we go to sleep, is we each tell each other three things that we're grateful for, whether it's about each other or about something in life or whatever it is. So it just is a nice way to go to sleep, being positive, your idea. Beautiful. Yeah. That's a beautiful example for your listeners. Wow, that's, that's great. Yeah. Well, we will have you back again. Keep up the great work. Why don't you just give your website, and it's time to go. Sure. My name is Mort Fertel. You can reach me at marriagefitness.com. And it's wonderful. And get his newsletter and get his emails. They're terrific. Thank you so much, and we'll have you back again. Thank Bye-bye. You. Yeah. Bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM Minerva and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8.30 a.m. and visit our website at conflicthealing.com. Thanks. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.